Before we start, a quick mention. Don't forget to subscribe to The Debrief on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play, where you can listen to all of our episodes. Hi, I'm Mohsen Ali, and welcome to The Debrief. In 2016, a little-known mayor from the southern Philippines became the country's president. What put him there, among other things, was a promise. Rodrigo Duterte was already well-known for brutally wiping out drugs and corruption in the city of Davao. Now he said he'd do the same for the country. More than a year after getting elected, Duterte has remained true to his word. His anti-drug war has left thousands dead in extrajudicial police killings. Drug dealers and gangsters, yes, but also fathers and sons. Zaldi and Lorenza grieve over their dead son. Kian was 17 years old. According to police, he was a drug peddler, so they killed him. The Philippine president has waged a controversial drug war he says will save his country. Hitler massacred three million Jews. Now, there is three million drug addicts. I'd be happy to slaughter them and save the next generation. What the president of the Philippines calls a war on drugs has for months now been a war on the poor, a war on those trying to report on the killings, and a war on human rights. A recent poll says 80% of Filipinos trust Duterte and think he's doing the right thing. But about those 20% who feel differently... Protesters here say they are no longer intimidated by President Rodrigo Duterte's threats. They call him a fascist and a butcher, with the police as his own killing army. You'd think they'd stay quiet, but they're not. Church leaders and human rights activists are leading the charge against what they call a culture of death and impunity. Standing up to a popular president may be a lonely fight, but they say it's the right thing to do. With me here today is Al Jazeera journalist Ted Regencia, who has been covering the Philippines for us for a while now. Okay, so give me the big, broad picture here. The focus of your trip was to cover these extrajudicial killings and Duterte's war on drugs. So what kind of situation are we looking at here? So depending on who you listen to in the Philippines, the number of fatalities in the drug war varies. In one article I've read, the death toll has already reached 14,000 and they're citing human rights activists. But if you ask the police, they'll tell you that there were only 3,451 drug personalities who were killed between June 30, 2016, that's the day that President Duterte took office, and July 2017. The rest of the deaths, that's about 10,000, are being blamed on vigilantes. I think the attitude of the Filipinos who support Duterte's drug war is that if you're not really into drugs, if you're not a drug user, or if you're not a drug dealer, then so be it. Then you have nothing to fear, really. So while I was there, I reported on two teenagers who went missing one night and ended up dead. One of them turned up in a side road with five bullet wounds. And the police are saying that he was killed after he fought with authorities following a failed robbery. But then later on, prosecutors said he was killed execution style and that the drug evidence found at the scene could have been planted. That's what the prosecutor said. The other kid who was with him also turned up dead 100 kilometers north of 
Manila. So like That's where he was. His body was dumped okay. in a creek, and his family is suspecting that he was killed to stop him from testifying against the police, who are being accused of killing the other teenager with him. So that's the situation now. Wow, so despite all this, Duterte is still really popular. Why is that? Well, President Duterte comes from a political clan in southern Philippines. Mm -hmm. He served for more than 20 years as mayor of Davao City in Mindanao. Mm -hmm. That's his political bailiwick. Davao is where he burnished all his image as a strong man who can deliver on his promises. At 71 years old, he was actually the oldest person to be elected as president in the Philippines. He's also the very first president from Mindanao, southern Philippines, and also the very first one to go straight from mayor to president. He actually did not win the majority of the votes during the 2016 elections, mm -hmm. but because there were several candidates he managed to achieve victory with just about 39% of the votes. If you look closer, his high approval rating is actually not unprecedented because previous presidents have also enjoyed high approval ratings during their first year in office. Mm -hmm. But what I think attracts people to Duterte is his folksy character. And, you know, he's from the south of the Philippines and his present himself as a really hu very humble guy. And also for them, he's a really straight talker and sometimes maybe too frank. I think a couple of times his mouth has already gotten him in trouble from cursing the Pope to cursing, to calling President Obama some <laughs> words that we can't say uh, on air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's definitely getting got caught up in that. But that doesn't matter to his supporters. They say that as long as he's delivering on his promises, then he can say whatever he wants to say. They still love him, huh? They still love him. And, uh, you know, when they campaigned, he basically ran on a single platform. Mm -hmm. He said he will fight drugs and corruption. So when he's asked now, when he has become president, so when he's asked about the killings, he will just tell anyone who cares to listen that he's just fulfilling his mandate. I was just a mayor. When I became a, the president and I was, I, I mean, I realized that it was running into millions. I was horrified. Now I am more determined to kill those who would want to destroy my country. I guess one of the things that people outside the Philippines are wondering is why his supporters think it's okay for police to kill people without any trial or due process. Well, justice grinds very slowly in the Philippines. And in the past, there have been many criminals, from rich kids to politicians, who have gotten away with the law. And this has been going on for, for years. So that's a really big source of frustration among Filipinos for many, many years. And that's a reality. So now, here comes a knight in shining armor who has vowed to save the country and delivers justice. I have my police force. I do not need civilians to do it. I mean, why should I commission somebody to kill another? When I can always use the police, just order them to get them. If I, I was the father, 
Then you rape my daughter and you kill them. Would you think I will wait? Would you think my anger can wait? Justice? Of course not. I will kill you. And when he became president, Duterte exposed a drug network which includes businessmen, law enforcers, judges, elected politicians. In 2006, the Philippines Dangerous Drug Board said 1.6 million of the 100 million Filipinos have been addicted to drugs. So that's roughly about one in every 100 Filipinos. Oh, wow, okay. But uh, President Duterte said that the number is actually higher, around 3 million. He said uh, the country is fast becoming a narco state. And last September, I believe, uh, before the United Nations, his foreign affairs secretary said that the number is actually between 4 to 7 million. So are they inflating the figures, or those are actual I think hard evidence? Critic- well, the hard evidence is, according to the dangerous drug boards, it's only 1.6 million Filipinos. So his critics are saying that, uh, of course, Duterte would just try to exaggerate the numbers because he wants to justify his all-out war on drugs. So for sure, governments take their cues from the public, but that also goes the other way. Governments also affect what people think is normal and acceptable behavior. How is Duterte's attitude of shoot first and maybe ask questions later affecting the Filipino society? I think there's an attitude among Filipinos, like I said earlier, that so long as we are not into drugs, then we don't have to worry about being targeted by police. Mm -hmm. And that they're saying, you know, okay, the government can continue its war on drugs. I remember I was in the Philippines when one of the mayors in Mindanao was killed. This was uh, Mayor Reynaldo Parohino of Ozame City. For decades, I think his family has been suspected of being involved in drug uh, syndicates, in criminal syndicates in that area, including my hometown, actually. But when Parohino was killed alongside with his wife and a couple of other relatives in a drug raid, many Filipinos are cheering, cheering the police. They said that only Duterte managed to deliver, quote-unquote, justice, and that they said that with the drug raid, the problem of proliferation in drugs in that area has basically been solved. But, you know, on the other hand, there's also that question of due process, So who's saying, wait, this isn't right? Who's standing up to the president? I think the church and a number of human rights groups are the main groups that are fighting the all-out war on drugs in the Philippines. I remember there are also some politicians who have initially criticized President Duterte, Mm -hmm. but one of Duterte's most prominent critics, who is Senator Leila de Lima, who is from the opposition, she was sent to jail by President Duterte, charged with drug-related activities. So I think that scared a lot of politicians from the opposition. Senator De Lima was actually one of those who investigated President Duterte when he was still Davao mayor. At that time, De Lima was the human rights commissioner 
in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. And she carried out all these investigations. Uh, yeah, I read that he um, was accused of doing similar things that he's now doing on a nationwide scale. Yes. So, in return, when President Duterte already became president, Justice Secretary of President Duterte filed drug charges against De Lima, and now she's in jail. So, in a way, I think it was a message for other critics of Duterte saying, you know, you do what De Lima did, then you might also end up in jail. But one of the most prominent human rights lawyer in the country, who is attorney Jose Manuel Diocno, mm -hmm. is saying that he's not running away from the fight. Attorney Diocno is a law professor and dean of a prominent university in Manila. He told me that, uh, you know, this is the cost of his life. And time and time again, he has defended those who have been wrongly accused by the state, even during previous administrations. So people respect him. He said that President Duterte is not just waging a war on drugs, but is also actually waging a war against democracy in the Philippines and the Constitution. So if you're wondering why are drugs and crime and corruption so rampant, that's the reason. Because we have a low conviction rate, we have no accountability for making sure that the people convicted go to jail, we have slow, perennially slow cases because we lack judges and we lack prosecutors. Plus, the judiciary only receives 2% of the national budget. So, if the problem why crime and corruption is because our justice system is weak, then what is the solution? The solution is to strengthen the justice system. The solution is not to short-circuit the justice system. It's not to shortcut the justice system by taking the law into your own hands. If you take the law into your own hands, in effect, the war on drugs is really a war not only against the poor, because it's the poor who are suffering. It is really a war on the legal system. The legal system will lose all meaning the more people are killed by EJKs. It will reach a point where, for the ordinary person, the courts will mean nothing at all. When we reach that situation, and we're not far from it, then the only form of government capable of maintaining order in the country will have to be authoritarian. There's no other. When the law is gone, when the law has no more meaning to maintain order because people don't respect the courts anymore, then the only form of government that can maintain order will have to be authoritarian. That is why I have said this many times. The war on drugs is really an attempt to supplant justice from the courts with justice from the barrel of guns. I also met Bishop Pablo Vergilio David, who heads one of the major churches in Manila, in the city of Caloocan, which is part of Metro Manila area. Caloocan is actually one of the poorest districts in Manila. And as Bishop David told me, it's the supplier of laborers and service workers in the capital. It's also one of the areas where the killings have been happening in the past year, including one of the teenagers that I have reported about. And that's why he's being referred to as the Bishop of the Killing Fields. Uh, almost always the discourse is, we need a strong hand. We need someone with a strong political will. 
they say there's so much bureaucracy and uh, corruption is a big problem in government. And uh, if all of this can be simplified with someone with a strong political will, then maybe things will be better. I call it naive. I said, all I know is I've seen this before because I'm a child of martial law. And when I was much younger, I remember people were saying the same thing. We need someone with a strong hand. We need someone with a political will and someone who can really push things around, you know, and deliver. And then we had this dictatorship that lasted for a long time, that suppressed our civil liberties, that, uh, that dissolved the legislature and the judiciary. And we suffered through that, as if we hadn't learned. I do believe that we are a work in progress. We may not be a perfect democracy, but we'll eventually get there if only we will strengthen the institutions of government. But now, I think the institutions are crumbling again. And I'm afraid that we're going to find ourselves one day in a totally uh, unpleasant situation again of suppression of civil liberties if we're not watchful, if we're not vigilant. That's what I'm afraid of now. There's about 85 million Filipinos who are Catholics. And so I think the church is uh, probably the last biggest bastion of opposition against the deadly killings. Of course, many other Catholics also support President Duterte's policy, so it's not all of these Catholics. In fact, President Duterte was also baptized Catholic. So, Ted, tell me, how does the opposition play out in real terms? What do you see on the streets? What are people saying uh, or in the newspapers, on the radio? What are you hearing? The local media is also actually trying to push back on this uh, war on drugs. And they have publicized several of these killings that have been, uh, that are supposedly involving police, but they are really drowned out by President Duterte's supporters. And of course the left, the left-leaning organization, and of course um, the left is still considered as a French group in the Philippines, so really the fight against Duterte is left with the human rights groups and the church. And what's the government's response? I re- also remember that uh, even during the campaign, President Duterte has also tried to kind of demonize the church. And I think in a way that was also his strategy of questioning the moral authority of the church so that now that he's now the president, the criticism of the church is also becoming less potent against him. So this drug war will continue. I'm going to leave you with a piece of music called Justicia by Jay featuring Crum of One Pro Exclusive. Jay, who's from the Filipino city of Pasay, dedicates this song to his friend Michael Sharon, who was killed in Duterte's war on drugs. For more of their music, 
check out their YouTube channel, OPE Official. Una sa lahat para sa bagong pangulo na ang dapat niya talaga naggawin ay ang mamuno sa ating bansa baguhin ang lahat ng nakasanayan ang sabi mo sa amin lahat yan patutunayan sa anim na buwan muna pagkatao po sa pwesto sa anim na buwan ay meron na nga bang magbabago na pamamalakad sa bansa naming sinilangan tama ba ang desisyon pagkatapos ng halalan may ilang pumoto na nailibing na sa hukay may ilang tao pa ba ang mawawalan ng buhay pagkatitiyak kung kailan pa nga ba matatapos ang patay at barilan, eto ba ang bagong datos ang buhay ng Pilipino kahit na isang tukha isa ako sa nawalan may mahabang pagluluksa at hanggang ngayon tagus sa puso ang mga pangyayari meron nga bang katarungan parang walang makapagsabi hanggang nabalitaan na lang niya na pinaril si Michael binidikit ko nga yung labi niya sa ganito kasi baka meron pa eh maasa akong meron pa eh pero pagdating ko wala na eh Kailangan mong gamitan ang dahas Kamay na para lang umiral na batas Solusyon ba sa pagbabago Magbawas ng tao na maari pang magbago Kaso nagwakas ang buhay dahil napasama lang sa kota Itong babasta na impluensyahan ng droga Kapalahan, paplakahan, pusher at pagtutularan Sasabihin ng laban kahit walang kalaban-laban Nasaan na nga ba ang ating karapatang pangtao? Bakit mga biktima ay initil na parang aso? Di man lang binigyan pagkakataong magbago Pinas lang, gano'n na lang animalang pagkatrato Ano na lang ang kanilang pamilyang mahuulila Walang tigil sa pagluwas sa pagtirik ng kandila Para sa kanilang mahal sa buhay na sumalangit Nasaan ang katarapan? Ang piraso ng karton na may nakasulat na pusher na para bang tumutukoy kay Michael, mariing pinabulaanan ni Jenny Lynn. Kaya nagtutulak pa ng drugs niya sa'yo? Hindi po. Hindi po totoo yun. Nag-sidecar lang siya kasi wala na kami pakalbusan. Hindi po yan totoo eh. Wala po totoo dyan. Hanggang kailan madudungisan ang dugo at ang bandila Nakakalungkot pagmasdan pagtulo ng kandila Na tinatayo sa bawat nitso na sinasara Sinuwag na sa likuran ang itim na nakamaskara Kumikitil ng buhay, daig pang adik maghinala Bumabaril na lang bahala na kung saan tumama Basta maisalba lang ang kota na lima katao Ang dapat nilang mapatay sa paraang di makatao Kayang magbulag-bulagan ng inyong mga mata Di naman kayang magpatamanid ng aking paglama Sa mga nangyayari sa ating bansa Mukhang mali na kasalan